0: Welcome, True Believer Readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue, such as, hey, it's that guy in the black outfit. Here to provide analysis for that line, and so much more, is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie?
1: I just had a chocolate chip cookie, so I'm doing fantastic. Uh, Black outfit, this is Spider-Man, and I don't quite understand why
0: he's in his black outfit so much. James B., what do you think? It goes back and forth between these books constantly. Like, they're trying to, like, market to, like, a soccer team that has two uniforms so people will spend twice the amount of money. I guess. uh, I don't know who they're marketing to.
1: I know uh, he had a fire in his apartment and kind of ruined his red and blue outfit. But this guy is an expert at making new costumes very quickly. So... I, I don't fully understand.
0: Second reference, by the way, to you uh, eating a chocolate chip cookie in the podcast. <laughs> I've heard you say this line before. I can't uh, help it, James B. I love chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> Eddie, let me tell you what these books are going to be from, okay? Yeah, let's do it. All right. These books are from November of 1985. Stanley presents Web of Spider-Man 8, 9, and 10. Local superhero, the Twilight Heroes, and Their but for fortune. Written by David Mecheline. Danny Fingeroff. Pencils are by Jeff Sherwood, Jim Mooney, and ink by Vince Coletta.
1: James B., we have another set of odd books here in that we have large swaths of these books dominated by unusual villains, and I use the term villains lightly, uh, and their backstories. It's interesting that in all our current Spider-Man titles, the writers seem to be searching for a new formula that involves villains who either have been forced to commit crimes due to life circumstances or have not really
0: done much wrong. It's also of note that these aren't Spider-Man stories in the sense you could replace Spider-Man with anyone else and these stories would still kind of work. At least in the other titles, they find a way to include the remarkable Spider-Man background characters we love. Uh, It's better than Marvel Team-Up to me because I'm not forced to have a second hero, but in these three books, I only got a sniff of Joe Robbie and nothing else. I would prefer them to feel more like a Spider-Man story. Yeah, it's it's disappointing for diehard readers like us, but perhaps we don't
1: understand the intended audience at the time. Listeners, feel free to let us know what you think Spider-Man should be
0: doing towards the end of 1985. Eddie, I know the Web of Spider-Man show format isn't to summarize, uh, but give me a 15-second summary of the Thunderbolt story in Web of Spider-Man 8 and 9.
1: Okay. There's actually two people in Smithville who touched pieces of a meteor that lands in the Smithville area, giving them both mild superpowers. Peter is sent there to investigate by Joe Robbie. Spider-Man keeps Smithville relatively safe, and although some of the characters end up happy, some do not. James B., do you remember which Spider-Man villain also touched a meteor and received powers?
0: Yeah, that's, I think it's Amazing Spider-Man 36, the
1: looter. Correct. Well, he wasn't called the looter at first. He was called Meteor Man, and later later to be known as the looter. Uh, you want a
0: bonus question, James B.? Boy, I, I'm willing to risk this without editing it, but <laughs> I think he was called the looter, and then he renamed himself the meteor because it was really more appropriate, but I think it's vice versa. I'll,
1: I'll give you a bonus question here. In the Amazing Spider-Man 36, one of the characters thinks this. I don't understand. I never thought they'd hit it off so well. She must have said the secret word. Which very prominent Spider-Man character was that,
0: James B? Hmm. I know this is around the time that they introduce um like the next issue they're going to bring in like the first norman osborne and and smythe and the robots are coming in like 37 or something but um who's around there i never thought they'd hit it off so
1: well i'll tell you i was surprised by this this is earlier than i thought this person had well
0: i'm gonna say it's mary Jane watson Okay. Gwen Stacy if you can. Oh. Ah, yeah. Sure. Well, she's in 31 she comes in 31. I know, but I I just
1: didn't think she was hanging around as much as she was in 36, but there's big portions of the book
0: where she's doing stuff. So, well, I don't want to talk yeah. anymore about the 60s cuz we're in 1985 Eddie oh. in Web of Spider-Man 10 <laughs> there's some ancient enemies that hold a grudge and kept an attempt to kill Dominic Fortune by hiring the Shocker as a hitman. Spider-Man will save Dominic Fortune, and the Shocker gets locked away, sort of. Uh, Eddie Webb of Spider-Man Eight and Nine don't feature any real villains. <laughs> More like you said, it's not that much Spider-Man either. So why don't we start with Peter Parker's role in the story?
1: The Smithville Thunderbolt is also known as Fred Hopkins gains super strength and abilities from a meteor he stumbles upon after he and his buddy are beat up on their way to a string quartet performance. I immediately started listening to string quartets when I wrote this, everyone. This all happened back in 1954. In the present day, Peter Parker is sent to investigate the Thunderbolt, only to discover that his powers have completely faded. Thunderbolt is unable to save people from any real threat, and so has been staging fake emergencies unbeknownst to the public and, quote, saving people to remain pertinent and suffice his ego.
0: Yeah, the staged emergencies have not put anyone in real danger. And in his small 2,500 population, Pennsylvania town, uh, Thunderbolt finds he has really nothing to live for besides being a hero.
1: <laughs> not, a, not a great view of the Midwest here, Uh Spider-Man figures out Thunderbolt's identity, and just as he's working out how to help Thunderbolt while standing in his living room, a brawny farmer bursts through the wall and attacks the pair, claiming he is... the Smithville Thunderbolt. Turns out, farmer Ludlow Grimes touched a piece of the same meteor not too long ago, But his family and community ostracized him for having powers making him lose his mind. Grimes puts up a good fight and overpowers Spidey. When Ludlow sees only fear in Fred Hopkins' eyes, he comes to his senses and stops behaving like a wild animal. The next day, he's recruited by S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: Great for Grimes. Yeah, and S.H.I.E.L.D. says we'll work on getting your family back with you too. (laughs) Oh, good. They've got that... And a nice hat for him. Regarding the villains, I think book 10 actually has some villains. But before we discuss that in our segment, have we talked about your choice of villains music yet?
1: Uh, No, but it's got to be from a video game, right? I I, I can't remember which one it is, James B.
0: So, listeners, Eddie wanted to try some new things for Web of Spider-Man, and he went out and got a bunch of audio clips for these segments because I told him, you know, go find your own audio clips. And he labeled them like thinking music and Spider-Man music, and one's called villains music. Eddie, the audio that you chose from villains music is the same audio that we use for the Tink Bump Toys (laughs) sponsor. And Eddie, it's implied sometimes that the Tink Bump Toys people are villains. I find it interesting that you think chose the same music it's like subconsciously you're trying to like let oh. everyone know that these are the villains <laughs> this is exactly it's the me. same music wow yeah. is it
1: I you know when I hear a good tune it just stays with me so <laughs> yeah recycling appropriately those T-pop toy all right well, are.
0: <laughs> let's let's play the let's play the villains music for everyone <laughs> god Jesus. Okay, Eddie, uh, go ahead and before you talk about the villains in Web of Spider-Man 10, why don't you conclude the tale of Thunderbolt? It's not quite over yet.
1: Things don't turn out so well for Mr. Fred Hopkins because I haven't talked about the real villain in Web 8 and 9, the local Smithville reporter looking to make it big, Roxanne DeWinters. Roxanne snaps a shot of Fred Hopkins that will expose him as the fraudulent Thunderbolt. When Hopkins saves DeWinters, it appears she won't ruin him with the story, but she publishes it anyway.
0: Yeah, a mob approaches Fred's house, but then the mood changes when we see their carrying signs such as, our hero, and thank you, Fred. However, Fred only sees the paper, and the reader sees that Hopkins, after looking at it, has committed suicide. DeWinters expresses remorse to Peter, but the reader sees who she really is as she proceeds to ghoulishly snap a picture of Hopkins' corpse.
1: Uh, In Web of Spider-Man 10, we get a return of Dominic Fortune. Unexpectedly, we get many golden tales uh, of yesteryear, Fortune eventually focusing on how he's lost touch with his glamorous female partner, Sabbath Rabin. Meanwhile, Baron Wolfgang von Lund, an enemy of Fortune in his heyday, enlists the help of the Shocker, who is now a hitman for hire, Despite blasting plenty of things, my favorite quilt-wearing villain, the Shocker, is foiled by Spidey during his assassination attempt. Fortune ends up in the hospital where he ponders playing it safer like (laughs) Spider-Man.
0: One problem with these stories is a lack of Spider-Man. We've talked about this off-air, but in Book 9 and Book 10, he only appears in each book in seven of the 22 pages. And he wasn't even on every panel of those pages. So there's really not much Spider-Man in these books. And there's no supporting character except for maybe Joe Robbie. So there's not really much we could do with these different segments. Eddie, I guess we can, from Joe Robbie, we can go talk about the Bugle.
1: The whole idea of Peter going to Smithville to find the Thunderbolt was because Joe Robbie has too many Spider-Man pictures. I, too, was very happy to see Joe Robbie. Somebody we know. Joe sends Peter to Smithville to help him complete his Sunday supplement. Peter is really unhappy to go to Smithville, and even more unhappy that his work will appear in the lowly Sunday supplement. (laughs) But Catherine Cushing, the city editor of the Bugle, she doesn't like Peter's work, so he can't get any gigs in the city. James B., let's talk about Mary
0: Jane. I said, MJ's not in these issues, nor were any of Peter's contemporaries at all, besides Joe Robbie, you know, sort of. Uh, also, we won't bother playing the Aunt May music here. She's also absent in these issues. She was mentioned, but I guess we have met the old people quota uh, in these books already. So is there anything else you want to add in here, Eddie? Uh,
1: well, Peter goes to see Dominic Fortune in the hospital to get some pictures of the old hero. And Dominic's son is not happy his dad is being rewarded for his daring, uh, as he views his dad far too old to be out fighting criminals. As Dominic, Fortune's son, is leaving, his father in the hospital about to be interviewed and photographed by Peter, he says, When they find my father lying belly up in the sewer, he'll take pictures of that too, right? Peter turns to Dominic and says about his son, What's his problem? dominic fortune says gas (laughs) he's implying he's having like intestinal problems right
0: yeah yeah
1: yes it was a strange reference in a strange
0: book uh anything else you want to talk about
1: uh yeah uh the cover of web nine it's very dramatic stunned by kyle baker well done um, this cover features the ailing Thunderbolt who's lost all his powers kind of smallish in a corner of his house and Ludlow Grimes, who's totally crazy, uh, being held back by black suited Spider-Man, but it's, it's just a great visual and how important each one of the characters is and actually how strong each one of the characters is. Cause Ludlow overpowers Spider-Man and he can't do much about it.
0: I, I, didn't care for the cover it wasn't my style ah. <laughs> all right james b well to each his own yeah yeah I'm, I'm glad you like it it's i mean they sold copies of it somebody likes it and, and yeah. <laughs> so. listeners you can check it out and let us know <laughs> eddie uh the daily bugle was kind of like the only thing going on in these stories at all did you did you notice like i did that anybody could have been doing these stories it could have been like captain america in here or anybody else
1: it could have been anyone did there was nothing i was kept waiting i I feel like they've been tying together stories quite nicely actually like in a roundabout way something comes back around but nothing ever turned more spider-man like in any of the books and they were very dramatic books i mean we had a suicide it's really dark
0: right right well in our next podcast i'm going to I'm going to kind of discuss how I think that they're also still not Spider-Man books, even though they're doing a much better job of hiding it. This one here, they're not even really trying.
1: (laughs) Hey, you know, in Web of Spider-Man 8, I thought it was pretty interesting uh, when um, Fred Hopkins comes to his banking job. Did you see who he's going to go to a string quartet concert with? This is Fred Hopkins you're talking about? Yeah, Fred Hopkins. Uh, Who's he going with? He's going with his colleague, uh, Irving, and not only that, but his colleague Irving, he gives him free tickets and he and he touches him on the shoulder in a way, like, it's interesting how it's drawn and they're looking at each other. I, I think this is like a, a illusion that there's romantic interest between the two of them. This, this is our romantic interest, I think. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely a sanctuary for men who are, you know, of this persuasion. Does he, and he goes to meet him there, and that is that the guy getting beaten up. He does. He gets beat up before he shows up to the string quartet Be, concert. But because he's because he's Jewish. Yes, because it says yeah, because he's Jewish, and the man it really puts the town of Smithville in a bad light to see this guy. He's getting tar and feathered. I mean, this is 1954.
0: I just this book has uh, anti-Semitic tones. It has a suicide in it. It has a rare possible like LGBTQ moment in it like there's a lot going on in this book there the writers are like I'm gonna do all kinds of stuff in this book they're picking on a kid for being black like so they're truly trying to show you that in the 50s oh they needed they needed thunderbolts. oh you're right so it's like it's yeah like he came about because of all these problems that we in the 80s know are bad today, but people were tolerating in oh. the 50s. So that's why they wanted to force all these things that are like, well, all these yes. all these taboo moments come up, and they're like, oh, no, these things you couldn't have done back then. They're showing their you know, he was there fighting the good fight back then.
1: You're exactly right, James. This book wasn't. Very interesting.
0: This, again, if Spider-Man was doing something in this book. <laughs> it would have been a great book. You know, Pretty much anything
1: would have made it a lot better that had to do with Spider-Man, so.
0: But The Daily Bugle was in these books, and The da- Daily Bugle is our uh, sponsor. <laughs> Listeners, The Daily Bugle presents Live with Eddie each week The Daily Bugle. Let's Eddie interview someone at the scene of these stories. Today, Eddie, please welcome Roxanne DeWinters, Smithville reporter, to discuss everything they witnessed.
1: Uh, y- yes, Roxanne. Uh, there's some questionable moral issues you decide to choose to do. Uh, how do you feel about that? You think you did everything correct?
0: Well, it was my uh, job to report the news, and I reported the news.
1: But is there no boundary between someone's personal life and the stories that come out to the public? The public wants to know who the
0: Thunderbolt is, and we provided that answer in the paper. Why wouldn't we? We've been waiting for this for years.
1: Did you think he was some sort of menace, perhaps? I just
0: I just report what the public wants to know. What 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 should I have done? Should I have kept this a secret? You could you could have kept aspects of
1: the news out of the news. It's true. I think that's part of.
0: Is that what uh, I should have done?
1: Maybe for your editor, might have been more important for them to do. But
0: the editor printed the story.
1: You know, I know an editor that might like you, Miss Winters, (laughs) De Winters.
0: All right, that's all the time we have for. Thank you for. Uh, joining us mr winters thank you eddie um remember to check out the daily bugle for even more news and first accounts like this uh eddie how can people reach us
1: you can email us at let's read at at gmail.com or you can click on the link in this podcast description to join our discord channel and connect with us through social media
0: and now it's time for eddie's most interesting realization when Roxanne De
1: Winters sees Peter Parker for the first time, she says, "I was admiring your 36 shutterbug," referring to his camera. Goodbye.
0: Goodbye. Is that a real camera?
1: I can't figure it out. I think so. A Shutterbug (laughs) definitely is.
0: Eddie, what's going on with Web of Spider-Man? What's going on in these books? Come on, man.
1: This is weird. I don't know. It's like they've relegated Web of Spider-Man to the... This is below Marvel
0: team-ups for me. It recovers. I know it does.
1: I thought it started off pretty good. I thought it was really interesting when they had the Vulturians and the Vulture. I mean, that is very Spider-Man.
0: Marvel team up had four good books too, and then they went off the rails too. It's kind of uh, Peter Parker started off and went off the rails right away. Remember, there was a lot of garbage in the beginning of Peter Parker. So
1: they just open it up, they give us one or two good ones, and they're like, "All right, now you're gonna have to hold on for a while."